When you're shepherding a smaller church, you tend to know all the families, you know all the stories, all the people. And what happens is as a church gets larger, you have to increase your ability to get information about the church so that you can make good shepherding decisions. And we now have four years of data. Welcome to Keystone Conversations, our podcast on the topics and issues important to the Keystone family. Our hope is to give insight, wisdom, and resources as you press on to know and follow Jesus. I'm Randy Woodbury, Executive Pastor here at Keystone, and with me, our lead pastor, Brent Minter. Hey, Randy. How are you, man? Man, it's the holiday season. We're ending fall. I love this time of year. I'm not going to lie to you. It's fantastic. I I think the problem with Iowa is that the fall is too short because it is just so glorious. It I is. I absolutely love it. I like colder days. I like gray days. And if Iowa, you get plenty of those. But here's going to be the controversial take so far before we even get into our topic today. When is it too early to play Christmas music? This is actually a biblical issue. In my opinion. <laughs> it's not. I love Christmas music, and because I love it, I don't overexpose myself to it. So some people love Christmas so much they go a little early. I judge them. I don't think they're wrong, but I judge them. Well, they're correct, actually, and you're wrong. So you go before. Like right now, you got Christmas music going. Absolutely. Mm, I can't do it because I love it so much. Like I just want want full focus for a, a short period of time. It's like saying, Kim Randy, can you have too much ice cream? No, you cannot. Well, see, so that's just your how doctor I do it. would disagree. Actually, my blood pressure last week would concur with you, so we might have to <laughs> have to change that. But I literally, so as you know, I was down at our Salt Church plant in Bloomington, four and a half hour drive, yes. Christmas music the whole time. It was fantastic. Let's get into our subject because I don't want to try to <laughs> solve this right now. Uh, so that's good. I hope you're having a great time. This is a great time of year. But the focus of our podcast today is, as many of you know, within the last few weeks, we conducted a survey of our congregation during a Sunday morning, and that's very odd for us. Yeah. Take some time, and it's very important for us, and it's time specifically as it's usually every fall right before the elders go on the retreat to plan the year ahead. And so we want a check-in with our people, what's going on. And what we've told everyone is we are happy to provide those results and give you some of our observations and insights. And that's going to be our focus today in terms of who are we as a church right now? I mean, we've moved to a new location. There's more people here. Who exactly are here? But Brent, before we get to that, just remind everyone, why do we do the survey? What are some of the things we're trying to accomplish with that? Yeah, um, man, there's a lot I could say here. I think a, a, a specific focus is, is, is elders, this, this first, I mean, you've actually heard us say it on this mm-hmm. podcast before, is just the first Peter 5 passage of shepherd the flock of God among us. That's the job of an elder. And so as, um, you know, it's not super, well, that's not true. It can be very difficult to shepherd a, large, right. a smaller church. Sure. It can be, in some instances, harder than shepherding a large church. Mm-hmm. But when you're shepherding a smaller church, you tend to know all the families, you right. know all the stories, all the people. And what happens is as a church gets larger, you have to increase your ability to get information about the church so that you can yep. make good shepherding decisions. And so um, a long time ago, I remember having a conversation with a guy who was at a huge church, and he was like, man, we have to do a lot of information gathering because mm-hmm. if if I'm going to lead the church over the 100 folks, that's what you know. sociologists right. say, you can only really get input and have a relationship with 100 folks. That just wouldn't represent our whole church. And Correct. we have a lot of elders for that reason, right? so that we can spread out among the church. We have different pockets of people we know. But it's really helpful for us to get information uh, about our people so we know kind of demographically where do people add in our church. And so mm-hmm. this just really helps us to get a finger of the pulse. Of course, it doesn't solve anything, right? Right. 
but it gives us the ability. And so I, I had some friends. Um, I was in a cohort with some pastors, and they are like, we do an annual survey. And I'm like, what do you do? And, right. and I remember them telling me. And so what they went through, and they're like, we ask the same questions every year. Mm-hmm. And what, something that's really important that we actually do, they said, we tried to send out an email and get information. And they're like, it failed Horrible. miserably. Yep. Uh, because um, Keystone, we truly love you, but sometimes you ignore emails and it hurts our feelings. So about seventy five percent. Just saying. Uh, so um, we actually, they said we mark time, and we actually don't even do it on our phones in the mm-hmm. service. And so we have modeled that, and I think it's actually really helpful because we do it in October. Yep. Every year, and uh, we've actually got. Um, this is our fourth year to do it, and the the response rate is what's the most helpful. Absolutely, for us. absolutely. And so, just to remind us, so four years of data in any context is very helpful because any one given year is somewhat helpful. But once yeah. you can see trends and comparisons over time, that's so helpful. But as 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 Brent said. 750 of you took the time on Sunday to fill out these surveys. So one, just thank you. Yeah. I know that was an ask for a lot of you. It's it's a It's total, awkward. It is. It's like, six minutes. I'm here to worship and <laughs> I'm filling in bubbles. It feels like 60 minutes, but it was only six minutes. But the fact that 750 of you, and the fact of, as Brent said, there's nothing we could do. There's no method we could think of where 750 people in six minutes would give us a response. And so we're so grateful for that. Yeah. And so as we go through this in terms of what are some of the things, Brent, we learned this year in terms of things that stuck out to you, some observations. I think this would be very interesting for our people to understand just where we're at, at this snapshot in time, where are we at as a church at Keystone? I think just before we start, just to highlight something you said is we now have four years of data. Mm. And so we've added a couple questions, Mm -hmm. um, but generally the bulk of the the, uh, instrument, as it were, (laughs) of the survey is identically... uh, so we actually can compare somewhat apples to apples right. across uh, multiple years of our church. So that's really helpful. And so as we kind of come into this year, um, some macro learnings, kind of you and I are the two ones that geek out about this. We can actually look Love at just it. all the data. We can cross-reference it of just people of next generation, yep. adults. We can look at people who are married. Like we can cross-reference all this data, which gives you some really good insights mm-hmm. for different pockets of ministry for our church, but at a macro level, there are um, some pretty consistent learnings. Some of these are year over year. It just it doesn't change, but right. it's also really profound. I think one of the first ones is this. We are a young church. Mm. Uh, we know that instinctively, um, but um, in particular, millennial and down is holds a very large chunk of our church. Right. Um, so that's young, I mean, that everything, so in a Sunday morning, you have middle school and high schoolers mm-hmm. who are in that room, but you also have post-college and also young marrieds. I mean, so our millennials are 40 years and younger at this point. Um, and so that is a vast majority of our church. That's the, that's the largest block of our church is, um, is that demographic, that age group. And that's a, a conclusion, whether it's a young church from an age standpoint or even just our existence, we're still in the concept or in the context of churches. We're still a young church in our existence as well as a young church in our people. And that's just a great reminder. Again, next generation, we're living what we're saying. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, so the data is 68% of the people in the auditorium on that Sunday were 40 years and younger. I know, that's so hard. It's one not in that group that's very hard yeah. to hear. 
and yeah. uh, also Oops. realizes some of my jokes, references, and illustrations. Mm. Some of the people in the room might not have been alive for. Um, <laughs> but uh, here's a great example of how that impacts the way we preach. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is married. Yep. And so we actually will, on purpose, because of this data, say your roommate, or we'll try to apply it to students because that is who is in the auditorium. Right. Friend relationship is other than just a marriage relationship. That's right. And it's contextualized. Also, one of the things, and this is something I think jumped out to both of us as we looked at this year, in terms of, you know, especially if you're around the church and you come a long time, you start feeling like you think you know everyone here in terms of how long they've been here. And there was one part that just jumped out of us in terms of how familiar people are with our church. And what was that, Brent? Yeah, I think, so there's a two disparate piece of information that one is more important for us. Mm-hmm. The largest group have been at Keystone five years and larger. Right. That that's the largest grouping. However, if you group there's two different groups which is 0 to 6 months and then 6 months to 2 years. Those two combined are the are larger than the 5 plus years. Wow. Let me break that down because what I just said was confusing if you're not looking <laughs> at a chart. Um 43% of our church have been at Keystone for 2 years or less. Wow. That's amazing. It is. Now, that's Unique this year because we've had a significant increase with the new building. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of people knowing that we had a new building that have come. And so this is larger than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. But it's also, if you look at just church statistics across the nation, churches o- turn over a lot. Right. Now, again, the largest section of our church hasn't turned over, but mm-hmm. there is a section of our church that does turn over. That's because we're in a very transitionary uh context people are moving in yep i mean it's one of the fastest growing cities so there's a lot of re- like we're new church it's not necessarily bad but it's so helpful for us as we shepherd the flock of god among us these are some things that if you've not been here for very long there's a large group of people who've never heard the name daniel nimmers yes. in salt church mm-hmm. or let alone austin wadlow and east lansing right thomas um, church as we come into pathway uh, we were just um at a pathway event, step four, which is people where people come become members, and a huge number of those people have never even been in the eight four nine building. Mm. And so, Great reminder: there's just so many things that we take for granted that we actually need to slow down and explain to people because it's not that they're not against for us or against us; they just have never like prepare. We mm-hmm. actually need to help people understand what prepare is because they've never experienced it. And I think that's a great reminder now for that other cohort, the one that had been here five years or longer. Oh. You'll, you'll notice that we repeat things a lot. 100%. And you'll say, oh, I've already heard that. And you know what? You're right. You probably have. But it's intentional because 40% of the room probably hasn't. That's right. And it's a, it's a good spot check to us in terms of whether it's communication methods, whether it's sermons, whether it's how we reference people. Like you said, you, could, you used to be able to reference certain people and 100% of the room wouldn't know, know what you're talking about. Now, even the program to build and fund this building unfinished. They have no clue. No clue. None. And that's fascinating to us. And just yeah. that's a great insight that helps us as we as we program. Let's remove that from a church and a building and apply that into your house. Mm. If you're having a dinner guest house and and you're inviting people over to your house and half the room is like know where your silverware is. They know where to get a plate. They know where to go get a drink. Yep. They're really comfortable. And then there's 40% of that dinner party that have never been in your house, don't know where to put a coat, don't know where to put their shoes. Right. You as a host 
would be horrible. Yes. <laughs> if you didn't say, hey, welcome. Right. Let me let me put your coat over here. Mm-hmm. Welcome coming in. Here's the bathroom. And that's what we're doing at our church is there's 40% of our people that haven't been through a couple years. Like it's it's learning. And so we have to keep them aware of all the things as we're welcoming them into our spiritual family. Great insight. Another one we looked at is we always like to see um, how our church is represented demographically with Ankeny and surrounding mm-hmm. communities. Uh, and we'll actually have a, a different insight later on that. But Brian, as we look at things like diversity, it could be racial diversity, it could be financial diversity. How did we stack up in terms of the community that we're trying to minister in? Yeah, so there's um, the, the a piece, I don't know if it's good news or bad news, but we represent our community very well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from a diverse pers- diversity perspective, um, we are not a diverse church. Mm-hmm. We're very white and we're very rich. Mm. And uh, that represents our community, mm-hmm. but also um, I think there's a a spot there for us to be better. I don't mm-hmm. even be better is not the wrong. The, the word you use is lean into. Yeah, we need to lean into mm-hmm. the reality of. Listen, um, we the more diverse we are economically, the more diverse we are ethnically. Um, language. The other day, uh, I was um, at the end of a service. I, I was around some volunteers mm-hmm. uh, whose both native languages are Spanish, and they were speaking Spanish. And tears came to my eyes mm-hmm. because I came from a background of a lot of diversity, right? And so, desiring for more, uh, because we're just a better congregation if we un- if we have more diversity, mm-hmm. more experience, more culture. And so, that's an opportunity for us is to continue to seek uh, being diverse. Uh, because I mean, Ankeny is ninety-two percent white, mm. um, and our church is just—we actually beat it just a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, that's a, that's something that we can lean into, and would we will be a better church the more diverse we are. And I would say beyond racial or ethnic lines, um, economically, um, our people are reporting a, a, a higher level of median income than our community. Mm-hmm. And so um, that being true, um, we actually need to work because there's some people of lower socioeconomics in our city that might not feel as comfortable walking into this place as those that are kind of a traditional suburban person. So we need to make sure that we're welcoming to all those places. It's a great point. And there's an understanding and 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 an acceptance of that as we reach our community. That's what we're trying to do here. You know, we want to be careful here. People, this could be a very diverse issue or a divisive issue. Yeah. And we're not saying right, wrong. We're saying understand who we are and understand our community and do the best we can. Yeah. And for us not to see the benefit of having diversity amongst us is what I would correct. Uh, but being able to see the joy and the, and the beauty of that mm. diversity and how we'll be better the more diverse we are, that's that's the opportunity. That leads us into an interesting thing because if you heard us say, we, we always like to lead with Ankeny and surrounding communities. Yeah. That was an assumption we were making. Yes. And some data we got from this actually shows that we have a much more diverse location mm-hmm. than we would ever have guessed. Yeah. Uh, do you have the, do you remember yeah. those stats? Yeah, so 64% of respondents would say they live in Ankeny. Mm. 60, so let's just round that to 65. 65% of our congregation lives in Ankeny, which puts a lot of people coming away from Ankeny into this place. Like in church world, we would talk about we're a local church. Yep. So they, some kind of the way they think about it is like a neighborhood church, right? You only know about the church if you're in that neighborhood. A local church is a community. And then kind of a regional church would be a church that will draw from multiple communities. And uh, 
I don't know that we anticipate that. We actually added this question this year. Right. Uh, because we just kind of wanted to see where we were drawing from. And 65% call Ankeny home, and that leaves uh, 35% who, when we're saying for Ankeny, they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right. What about me? <laughs> what about me? So we're actually trying to figure out what do we need to do with that and what's our responsibility because we're in Ankeny. We want to be a keystone for this community. But honestly, we want to be a keystone in a lot of the communities because the metro area does overlap a lot. Right. And so those are that was actually some new data for us that was actually, I'm not sure what we're going to do with that, but that was, I don't know if shocking, but it's helpful to know. Mm-hmm. Helpful to know. Plus, I think what we are going to do with it for sure is a shout out to Altoona, Bondurant, Eastside. You are now number two. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Uh, <laughs> Des Moines and West Des Moines, you, you're, you're, you're trailing. If you want need to get, step up. Yeah, you need to get your friends and you need to come <laughs> on. Uh, but yeah, it's, that's, a, that's a new development that it we is. need to wrestle with and understand how to... How to and, and we've it, known that that's true. We pull from a lot of high schools and or school systems, middle school and high school. So we've known that's true, but this is the first time we have real concrete data behind Now we have a baseline. And just yeah. a, as Brent mentioned, we had four years of data for some of these questions. Next year and the year after, when you start comparing and see where our congregation asks, it could be very helpful. Let's dig in for just a second and a little more uh, qualitative stuff. Those are a lot of what we talked about as lots of, you know, demographic XYZ. But there's a couple things that we notice and we've asked about uh, that we're trying to see. And some of them re- regards uh, your personal discipline. Some of them regards about how connected you are. But let's start with being in a connection group. That has been a, a foundational part of Keystone from the beginning. Yeah. As we looked at the data here, what are some of the things that jumped out with you regarding being in a connection group? Yeah, 100% again. So we're, we want to be wise um, because we're playing like we're market research folks and we're pastors. But um, what we would say is is that uh, at least at a correlated level, mm-hmm. a causative, we can't argue that. Right. But we can argue at a correlated level that being in a connection group is correlated to significant, um, what I would say, sp- good things spiritually. I don't have a technical term to say that. Right. People who are in connection groups... Um, rank higher in sharing their faith and reading the Bible in prayer time and Christ likeness. Those are four disciplines we've met, monitored over the years. Also, more generous, mm-hmm. more engaged, um, and so there is a direct correlation between being in a connection group and all the things that we would classically want to be encouraging people: read your Bible, right? Pray, share your faith, be generous with your time and with your resources. If you're in a connection group. You're you're outstandingly above everyone else in those areas, mm-hmm. and that would be the, how we we can correlate the, or we can cross reference data depending if you're on a connection group or if you're not. Right, and there's a couple of things to just to put a, a little further clarity on that. One to some of you, that's probably not surprising, and that's fine. Yeah, that's an assumption we are making. Yeah, because we have both seen contexts where connection groups can be disconnected. Oh yeah, from the church as a whole and be almost, and we've seen this their own mini church. And not and, and kind of separate from it. You're not really yeah. dealing with the disciplines. You're not really dealing with generosity and what's going on in your life. And so it's encouraging to us yeah. that when you're in community like that, there are some positive effects that come from that. A hundred percent. That's. I mean, that's what we teach. But I, I think what's helpful about the survey is we can actually check in to see if what we're doing is. If we're getting feedback that right. oh, it is working. Right. Like not only do we believe it's biblical, even if it was. We would be having community no matter what, whether we had connection groups or whatever. But 
it actually is with effect. Right. Or if know? those were trending down, yeah. if your connection group and you're less generous and you're less likely, okay, that's we would a need to insight. Have a, yeah, it'd be, we would need to figure out what, how do we go through that. Similar with that correlation, there's another part, and this is where the length of time you've been at Keystone also had some correlation benefits yeah. that we saw. Man, I think even probably longer than your connection group, which the, the a, a vast majority of people taking the survey are in a connection group. Um, the longer you're at Keystone, the more spiritual spiritual growth you have, mm. or the deeper or more mature you are in some of the disciplines. Again, this is a survey; it's not perfect, but what we can see in the survey is those that are those who have been at Keystone the longest. They are sharing their faith and leading in that area. They're they're more in the scriptures. They're praying more. They're giving more. Mm. And honestly, Randy, this might not mean a lot for. They're like, well, duh. Like, right. hopefully, I think that's true, but there's it could be reality that we're not shepherding and helping people know and follow Correct. Jesus. Like, that's an assumption that what we're doing is working. And I think that for me personally, that matters a lot. Back in the, like, early 2010s, maybe late 20 aughts, mm-hmm. there was a massive survey that came out with a well-known church, and they actually began to survey. They tested whether their what they were doing as a church was working, and it turned out it was called the Reveal Study, mm-hmm. and it turned out it wasn't working. Right. And they were honest enough that they wrote about it and said, hey, here was what we were assuming was going to help people grow in their faith. Here's what we've been doing, and it turns out it's not. And they had to completely switch their model. And they're a very well-known church back then, very influential. So for me to go, oh, the longer someone's at Keystone, the more they're going to hear God's word, they're going to be in community. All those things working together will help people uh, know and follow Jesus more. It's a great reminder. One of the com- most common questions I get more frequently because of our move, because of the new facility, and because of our size is, how do you ensure that we don't just care about numbers? Oh, yeah. To me, this question is one of the key insights of, if we just cared about numbers, we wouldn't care about uh, much about, if you're here longer, are you improving in your sanctification? Yeah. But this shows that our ultimate goal is yeah. to help you know and follow Jesus better, and this is one of the inputs we can see, are we trying to, are we accomplishing that goal? Yeah, I, I think it's so true. And and just at a personal level, Randy, um, I hope that I'm more godly today than I was that's right. six years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's because weekly, um, I mean, I teach a lot, but I get taught to a lot mm-hmm. as well. Right. I worship, I come in and I'm not just, I've had to learn the discipline of not caring about what's happening in the room when I'm worshiping, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, I'm there to worship. I'm there to hear God's word. I'm around other believers. Right. I, so hopefully that recipe is working and helping mm-hmm. people um, grow in their faith. I know it works in my life. Last piece of data we'll, we'll hit here before we get to our final question, but I thought it was interesting, and, and this isn't, again, unknown, but fascinating to me. We, we asked people in the survey, how'd you hear about Keystone for the first time? We oh. love to know how people come here. And it's always been the answer, and you could probably, you're saying it to your head right now, a friend or acquaintance invited yep. me. And that's true for us, number one, 50% of the time. Yeah. It was the second reason that was fascinating to us, at about 25% of the time. Yeah, which is a salt network connection. Yes. What a joy for us, Randy, is that, I mean, that... So many people in our churches that grew up at Assault Network churches, so many people went to college. Mm -hmm. Many of us have relationships with other churches, but it's just like, there's just a blessing of being a part of a network that's on mission together to help reach college students. And and so the Assault Network is the kind of the loose family of, I mean, we opt in for that. Like we want to, we have a salt company, we want to reach university students and we want to plant churches in university centers. And so 
Uh, you know, if you get, went to Iowa or Iowa State or you and I, um, and you got a job in Ankeny or in Des Moines, there's a chance you're probably going to come check out uh, Keystone, right? Uh, because it's a similar church, preach through God's word, connection you know groups, elder led. Like there's a you know, lots of different personalities, but a very similar ethos in all those churches, yes. and that's great. So that's some of the insights we learned this year. It's been so helpful. It's is that actually, frankly, one of my most fun times of the year. Yeah, you're a nerd. I Let's, geek out. I do geek nerd. out. I can't lie. Yeah. Uh, more data, the better. Uh, but as we close up, what are some of the things in terms of as we learn these things? How does it influence us? How does it inform us going forward? Uh, what What's our next steps as we look at this data? Um, I think what what the survey has done, especially now that we have it four years, is um, it gives us a, the benefits of this. It gives us every year a place to test our blind spots. Mm, good. Um, may, I mean, anyone can deceive themselves. Like, oh, we're doing a great job, but people say, yeah, we actually think the sermons are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> we that, That's not true. People right. are very complimentary of how- 90% they, levels from, yeah. in terms of what they look forward to, in terms yeah. of application. So, but if all of a sudden- that started slipping or right. connection groups were no longer being effective. We have a, a system and it might take years to explain, to figure that out, but we have a way to check our blind spots and here's what we're trying to do. Is it working? We have a way to do that. So I love checking blind spots. You know, that's a big part of our Absolutely. elder retreat. Like 100%. We, we also get a, beyond a survey, we get qualitative information from our, a lot of leaders. What do you think's right, wrong, missing, or yes. confused? We get those, uh, that data as well. And so those I, are sentence paragraphs, not just to check the box. Those no, are, that's, that we is take like, a lot of time with those. Yeah, that's, that's what do you think? You, mm-hmm. you give us your unfiltered, uh, sometimes it hurts my feelings, but it's <laughs> nine times out of 10, we need to hear it. Um, but, I think in some senses, because we're checking blind spots and we have a consistent data source, probably the biggest benefit for me is it gives confidence. Mm. Um, the first few years we had this, uh, we were like, what does that mean? What does that mean? And now we can compare year over year and we can say, oh, that's holding steady or actually we're growing in that. We actually, uh, something we did last year is we really tried to work, we've really tried to beef up communications and we saw that this year people are know a little bit more what's going on right, so the, right there's some real like but it gives us confidence uh that what we're trying to do is working and again at the end of the day um we'll stand before the lord and it's like hey did you shepherd the flock of god that is among us that's right that's and right. so i hope that the people that are around me i'm shepherding well but we have a whole church to shepherd and so this just help, helps us give us confidence input as we're trying to listen to the spirit of god uh to lead and care for people of keystone that's so good and that's what we're trying to do and so thank you again for for giving us that information and uh we hope you found this helpful today with some feedback in terms of what we saw some of the insights what we're doing with that and we look forward to what god has for keystone in the in the weeks months and years ahead as we Absolutely. as we move forward Thanks so much for being part of our conversation day. If you'd like to know more about Keystone in general, hear our sermons or listen to more conversations, please visit keystonelife.com. Until next time, keep the conversation going. <laughs>